0: I am going to speak to you out of Philippians chapter number four. Philippians chapter, I'm sorry, Philippians, the book of Philippians, okay? I'm going to camp out in chapter number four, okay? and um, Chantelle is going to be back at it next Wednesday. She just returned uh, late this afternoon. She went to see one of our friends who had a baby, speaking of drool and all that stuff. And uh, she gave the parents a chance to sleep. So that meant the baby slept with her so you know how much sleep she got right and she told me she was going to be here everything was going to be good then she made the mistake of after showering she laid down for just a moment And, and guess what Chantel already gave me her goodnight kiss, okay? She's like, see you in the morning, bud. So uh, she, is, she is wore out. But she's going to be with us next Wednesday, and she's excited. No, no, we're not, because next Wednesday, we don't have church. You know, these holidays, you just got to get me straight, okay? Next Wednesday is the Wednesday before Thanksgiving, so that means you're going to be busy. You're going to be busy making those pies and all those other things, all them things you cook, Sister Debbie. You're going to be busy because you need more than just a morning to get that done, don't you? Yeah, you do. But you (laughs) got to Y'all not cooking. How'd y'all do that? Huh? Wow. Well, you know what? You know what? I guess my parents haven't cooked in a while. I do the cooking. So I I guess I know exactly how you do it. You just, you know, that that's what happens when you pass down the recipes, you know. So um but yeah, we won't have midweek services next Wednesday because of the holidays. And, and I know many people will be out of town and different things like that. Uh, this coming Sunday, of course, I'd go over the schedule with you one more time. We're not going to have Sunday school and we're going to meet at 10 30. And then right after service, we're all going to head to the fellowship hall and enjoy a wonderful meal. But, uh, two weeks from tonight, Chantelle will be back at it and she is going to begin teaching in one of Paul's epistles. She's just not really sure which, if it happens to be Philist. uh, Philippians, well, I'm giving you a heads up. So what I'm doing today is I just picked some of my favorite verses out of the book of Philippians. I love the book of Philippians, okay? It's some good stuff. There's some promises in here. And and I'll be honest, I, I actually did two sermons today because tomorrow with us going to the dinner bell, I'll be gone most of the day. Friday, we're leaving about noon to, to head to St. Francisville. I, uh, my sermon prep day is normally on Thursdays. So all of a sudden, my, my day really got impressed. so I worked on Sunday and that's good to go by the way Sunday I'm finishing up my thankful service our thankfulness service and I'm talking about the church I'm thankful for the church and you realize when I say the church I mean you because the church is not a building the church is not a locale the church is not a denomination or an organization or a program the church is people okay so you don't want to miss Sunday because you're going to hear what your pastor thinks about you and it's a lot of good stuff. Okay? Amen? And, uh, and also, I'm going to be quick. You know why? Because I'm big and there's food. Okay? I'm not as big as I used to be. But I'm getting my eat on Sunday. I'm getting my eat on tomorrow. I'm getting my eat on on Sunday. So that means I'm going to be quick. Okay, so Philippians, Philippians, let's get started. And you know, I can't go past 730 because I make fun of my wife when she does. So let's get started. These are some of my favorite scriptures out of the book of Philippians. We're going to start in chapter one. And I'm going to draw your attention to verse number six, Philippians one, verse number six, it is I it, it actually preached a message out of this when I was in the district office. And, and I think I might even have preached it here. I preached it all around the state because it's just such a great promise. And let's read it together. Philippians, or let me read it to you. Philippians chapter 1, verse number 6 out of the King James says this. Being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it unto the day of Jesus Christ. You see, guys, think about it confidence. Confidence is something that we put in people who are worthy of confidence. You ever put your confidence in somebody, Sister Eloise, and they let you down? You put your confidence in somebody, you're like this is going to work, this is going to go well, and Sister Sarah, didn't go well. Well, I've got good news for you here today. You can put your confidence in the Lord. Amen? Paul is saying being confident of this very thing. It's really not the thing he's confident of, it's the person he's confident of. Being confident in Jesus, being confident in God, being confident that he who began a good work. You see, guys, God has begun a good work in every one of us. He began a good work in us, Sister Lorraine. He's begun a good work in you. And though there's ups and there's downs because that's life, he began the work, and here's the thing about God. He finishes what he starts, okay? Now, I don't want us to turn into man bashing, okay? But, but uh, how many ladies in here have ever had your husband start a project and not finish it? I will lift Ms. Chantel's hand up for her, okay? By the way, Seth finishes what he starts. Sister Sarah, you trained him well. Okay, I'm sure Charles had a little something to do with that too. too You are a blessed lady. How many are just saying, that girl don't know how blessed she is, okay? Some of y'all are a little jealous right now. Boy, you should see some of them looks you're getting right now, okay? But here's the deal. For the most part, hey, Jenny, has Jamie ever started something and not finished it? Every now and then, okay? Now, he's good at most things. He's a good guy. But there's a few things. You know what, guys? Here's the deal. (laughs) Wow, wow. Well, here's the deal. We've all had people start something and not finish it. But guess what? God's not like that. Okay, what he starts, he plans on finishing. And I've got good news for you. That's just not for you. That's just not a promise for you and for your family. It's a promise for this church. He who began a good work. You know, we started that Hall of Honor. This church started in 1956. That's when God started a good work in this area through this church. And he started it with good intentions, with plans and purposes, and he plans on finishing it. Amen? And that's something you can take to the bank. That's a promise that you can hang your hat on. That's something you can even get a little excited of being confident of this very thing. He who began a good work in you will perform it. Will finish it. Until the day of Jesus Christ. Basically, he's talking about running this thing out to its completion. He has plans and he has purposes for every one of us. And if you still have breath in your lungs, if you woke up this morning and you did, okay? God, That's confirmation that God ain't done with you yet. Sister Rita, God ain't done with you yet, honey. God ain't done with you yet, Sister Eloise. He's not done with any of us, amen? Whether we're in our 20s, our 30s, our 40s, or above, okay? God is not done with you. He's not done with you as a person. He's not done with your family. You know what? Those those folks we've been praying for for a while, sometimes we think, God, can you ever get them? Can you ever save them? Can you ever change that circumstance? You ever felt that way? I have. Guess what the answer is yes cuz he who began a good work plans on finishing it. And here's the deal, God has planned a good work for every one of his creations. Every person there's no mistakes in the kingdom of God. God doesn't make mistakes. Every person born into this world has a plan and a purpose given them by by God even before conception. Jeremiah, the prophet, it was said that while he was in the mother's womb, God knew him and had plans for him to be a prophet to the nations. Well, guess what? Jeremiah wasn't special. He was special, but he's not special in the sense that the same can't be said for Shana. The same can't be said for me. The same can't be said for every one of us. So he who began a good work plans on finishing it. Is that good news or what? All righty, moving on to Philippians chapter number two. Philippians chapter number 2, I picked a a little bigger portion of Scripture, and we're actually going to start reading in in verse number 5 and and read down through 11, just because it's just good, good stuff, okay? Um, Philippians chapter number 2, verse number 5. The Bible says, Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus. Now, Um, the word mind right there means attitude, means mindset, means thinking. The same way that Jesus thought and acted, that mind, that attitude should be in you and us. Amen? How many know that attitudes are contagious? Attitudes are also a choice. Do you realize that, that you can't change what happens to you, but you get to choose what happens in you? Have you ever seen two people, the exact same situation happens to them, one of them handles it pretty well, the other one doesn't handle it so well? You know, I've talked to you about the grace with which my dad has been handling the the news that he has cancer. I've seen people get that news, Sister Josie, and they didn't handle it well. I've seen people who knew Jesus, who were really strong in their faith, really struggle with that kind of news. But I've seen my dad walk with an amazing grace and peace that can only come from God. So, guys, have you seen people get get the same news, go through the same situations, but yet handle it so differently? What's the key? The key is having that attitude that was in Christ Jesus, having that same mind that was in Christ Jesus. Do you realize that the greatest battle that you will ever fight will not be against the devil, will not be against your husband, will not be against your (laughs) ex-husband? It will be in your mind. It will be the thoughts that you think, okay? We're going to get to that a little longer when we get to Philippians 4. But the thoughts that you think, where does the devil attack us at? Where does he tempt us at? Right there in the mind. It's a six-inch battlefield. Okay, that's why the Bible instructs us to do what? Take every thought captive. I was listening to Bishop Jakes yesterday on YouTube. Let me tell you, who the a bishop could preach? One of these days when I grow up, I want to preach like that, okay? I just want to wear some of them clothes. that looked look kind of cool too, okay? Man, but look, he was talking about the battle of the mind, and he was reminding every one of us that we've got to win that battle. You see, guys, if you can't win the battle in the mind, you will not win it in action. You will not, if you can't get it right here, you won't get it in the flesh, okay? If the devil can fill you with lies, if the devil can get you to have that stinking thinking, if the devil can get you thinking you're defeated, guess what? You probably are. We've heard it said that the man who thinks he can and the man who thinks he can't are usually both right. Why? Because the mind is such a powerful thing, okay? And scripturally speaking, we need to have the same mind that was in Christ Jesus. Paul begins to expound on that a little bit in verses 6 through a few more. Verse 6, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. What, what, What is Paul saying right here? He was saying that Jesus was very, every bit God. I've heard some people say that he was half God and half man. No, he was fully God and he was fully man, okay? When he came to this earth, he took on the form of man, but he was still very much God, okay? He was was a part of the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Ghost, okay? Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us, came to this earth and he was fully God. So Paul is just saying he was God, Jesus was. Verse 7, look what he did though made himself of no reputation, took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men. He emptied himself. Think about what Jesus did for you and me. He left a place where he was the object of total worship. He had a seat at the right hand of the Father. He was adored. The angels adored him. He was the Son of God. He left that place, and he came to earth. He didn't come as a king He didn't come as a prince. He came as a poor little baby. Now, the next time he's coming, he's coming as a king. The next time he's coming, you know, he came into this earth as a baby with not a lot of fanfare. The next time he returns to this earth, there'll be plenty of fanfare. There'll be CNN reporting. Okay, I'd like to see them try to explain that one, Sister Debbie. Uh, something happened in the eastern sky. I'm not sure what. Okay, but but here's the deal. Jesus emptied himself. He he humbled himself. Now, guys, if the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords can humble himself, how much more do you think you and I should? Verse number eight, and being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death on a cross. You see, guys, the Bible says that God resisteth the proud, but he gives what to the humble? Grace. How many in here need some grace? I don't know about you, but I can't afford to be prideful because I need all the grace I can get. (laughs) There's been times that I've been feeling that people oppose me or denominations oppose me or whatever opposes me. It's really me opposing myself, Sister Josie, because you know why? I was prideful. I was stinking full of pride. But I've learned that God resists that, but he gives grace to the humble. So I don't know about you, but I need a whole lot of grace. So I want to choose to humble myself. How many know if you don't choose to humble yourself, God will do it? God can do it very, very easily. Have you seen people humbled under the hand of God? Let's, Let's learn from their missteps and choose to walk in humility, to choose to have that attitude that I'm going to serve others. You know, guys, if you look to serve others, God's going to promote you. You know how I got started in ministry? Let me tell you my story. I didn't go to Bible school, you know, and and I love people that went to Bible school. I love people that do all that stuff. Pastor Ronnie did all that, and I'm glad that makes for a good youth pastor. I'm not worried about what's going on over there where I can trust him, okay? I didn't go through any of that stuff. I just got saved and just all of a sudden said, well, we need to get involved in church. Now, it helped that Chantel knew that you're supposed to serve at church, so we got got busy helping, and I started helping in the youth, okay? And I don't know if you know what I did back then. I was on the back row. Why I was on the back row because that's where the bad ones are. Okay, and our youth pastor said, Mo, you'd be great on the back row. You know why? Because I was six foot two, 290 pounds, and my arms, instead of being this size, were 22 inches. I was a big bad dude, but I loved Jesus. Okay, and those little snot nosed seniors you know, how cool seniors are they're and I'd say, hush, and they go... And then I'd pop them in the back of the head. In Jesus' name now. Now, I'm not condoning my, my my way of getting through to them. But I promise you, we didn't have many problems with those kids. I can remember Sister Debbie, they'd go... Because, you know, normally they'd want to pick a fight and... and... They were at least smarter than that, okay? But that's how I got started in ministry. And, 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 and then our youth pastor came to me and said, man, Mo, I, I'm running a van route. I'm doing this, so I don't have time. Our daycare lets out at like 6 o'clock. Could you help set up the chairs? Absolutely. So I started setting up the chairs. And by the way, I showed my leadership ability real quick because I started getting those kids to help me do it, okay? <laughs> always delegate, always delegate, okay? But here's the deal. I started out doing that. You know what, guys? When you don't worry about promoting yourself, God will always promote you. When you're just faithful, when you're just serving others, God will find a place for you in the kingdom. Somebody needed to hear that tonight. So here's the deal. Let's continue to think about this. Verse number 9, Paul says... Wherefore God has also highly exalted him, talking about Jesus, and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth, and every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the father. I love that portion of scripture. You've heard it preached on. You've heard it talked about. Every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess. Guys, let that sink in. Every knee will bow. Now, the good news is you and I have chosen to willfully bow our knee and to confess that he's our Lord and our savior. But sister Gail, one day, every knee will be forced to bow. I can't wait to see the devil himself have to bow that little crinkly knee and admit what we all know. You're king, you're Lord. But it's too late then. But you and I, we're smarter. We're smarter than that old devil. We're smarter than that old scoundrel. We've chose to do it now. So, Sister Lorraine, you remember that day when you bowed your knee and you confessed and Jesus changed everything about you? I remember that day 24 years ago. But guess what, guys? He's still Lord. He's still King. And I love that scripture that every knee will bow, every tongue will confess. All right, turn with me to Philippians chapter number three. Philippians chapter number three, doing pretty good. Let's focus in on uh, verse number 10. Verse number 10, at the beginning of uh, chapter number 3, Paul's kind of talking about who he used to be and, and giving his testimony, if you will, and he kind of begins to sum things up in, in verses 10 through 16. So let's look at them to d- together. Philippians 3, verse 10. Paul, after talking about all the things that he's done, all, the, all, the, 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 all his life, his testimony, he sums things up by saying, that I may know him. You see, guys, this Christian walk is, is all about knowing him, not knowing about him, not um, not knowing facts, uh, even though that's important, not knowing Bible stories, even though that's important. See, what this Bible does is it points you to him. These stories point you to him. The Old Testament points to him. The New Testament tells about him. And all that is in an effort for you to get to know Him. The God of this book. Amen? And Paul said that. He said that I may know Him and the power of His resurrection. Boy, can I get an amen right there. We all want to see Him in His power. We want to know Him in His power. We want to know Him when He's touching people's lives. We want to know Him like on Sunday night when I believe miracles were happening up here. We want to know Him like that. But guess what? There's another aspect to knowing God and the fellowship of His sufferings. You know, I've never really played Bible buffet, but if I would, I would pick one of those and leave the other one. I'll let you guess which is which, okay? Because give me all the power, give me all that meat and those potatoes, but I don't want those veggies of his suffering. But here's the deal, it's not an either or, it's a both and. How many know life is full of ups and downs? How many know that we're going to have some great days and Sister Lorraine, we're going to have some pretty bad days too? But here's the amazing thing about a relationship with Jesus. Sister Connie, he's with you on the great days. He's with you in the bad days. He's the God of the mountain. He's the God of the valley. Amen? And when we get to know him in a relationship that we know him in the power of his resurrection, we know him in the fellowship of his sufferings. And sometimes it happens pretty quick. You know, think about when he was resurrected. On Friday, he died. And just three days later, he rose, sometimes from from the lowest lows to the highest highs. But a walk with Jesus makes them all better. Amen? That I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings, being made conformable unto his death. Verse 11, if by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead. You see, Paul realized that you've got to have a long-term perspective. You have to have an eternal perspective. Okay, You know, guys, there are times that we're going to say goodbye to our Christian brothers and sisters because these bodies of theirs may wear out. But Sister Annabelle, we realize that it's only so long. See you later. Because guess what? Our soul and our spirit, Sister Eloise, they live forever. And you know what? I've always said this. I say this at every Christian funeral. I've lost stuff all the time. Okay, If, If you ask my wife what she hates to hear, it's, where are these? Baby, have you seen, your husbands don't do that, huh? We know Seth doesn't, he's perfect, okay? <laughs> but have you seen, okay, Jennifer, you ever heard that? You ever heard that from me? Yeah, absolutely, okay? So uh, um, I, I lose stuff all the time. But when I lose stuff, it's because I don't know where they're at. Something's not lost when you know where it's at. So guess what, guys? We don't ever lose our brothers and sisters that are going off to heaven because we know where they're at. We're just going to see them a little later, we're going to see him again soon. So, guys, Paul realized that you got to think long-term. you got to think big picture. we got to do the same things. Amen? Verse 12, not as though I had already attained. Wait a second. Not as though I had already attained. Is Paul saying he hadn't arrived yet? Wait a second. Isn't this the same Paul wrote half New Testament? Isn't this the same Paul that if anybody could say they had arrived, he, he could say that? But what did he just say? Not as though I'd already attained, either were already perfect or complete, but I follow after that I may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. Hey, look, guys, um, if you're you're thinking you're going to arrive at the end point of, of your Christian walk before your entry into heaven, it doesn't work that way. Because if anybody could say, I've arrived, it would be Paul the Apostle, okay? But if that guy's saying, I haven't arrived yet, I'm not complete yet, God's not finished with me yet, whew, we got a long way to go now, don't we, (laughs) okay? Your pastor has a long way to go. You have a long way to go. But here's what Paul says, verse 13. Brethren, again, when he's talking to brethren, he's talking to brothers and sisters in the Lord. He's talking to the church at Philippi. He says, brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended. Basically, I haven't arrived. He reiterated it. You ever notice that? Uh, how many parents you got to repeat yourself to your kids, to your grandkids? It's, it happens, right? There you go. She, you, she's rolling her eyes like every mama in here is doing, okay? You know what? Guess what? The Bible repeats itself at times because we are kind of hard-headed, okay? My, my nickname growing up was Tet Duer hard head okay so i need to hear things multiple times okay and 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 god knew that so he tell said again he said i haven't apprehended but this one thing i do say one thing this one thing i do look what paul found is the key to walking with god this one thing i do forgetting those things which are behind reaching forth unto those things which are before you see guys every one of us have a past." Every one of us have a past. Some of it's an awesome past. Some of it's a pretty shameful past. But here's the deal. God is so much more concerned with your future than he is with your past. You know, I I heard the analogy one time of every time you get in your your vehicle to drive home, you have a windshield and you have a rearview mirror. There is a reason that windshield is so much bigger than your rearview mirror because it's much more important where you're going than where you've been. Is it important to remember where you've been? Yeah, okay? I mean, if you're driving real slow on the highway, you need to see me coming up behind you because I'm about to pass you, okay? You need to see that. You need to know that, okay? But, but here's the deal. It's important where we've been, but it's more important where we're going. Spiritually speaking, we all have a past guess what? We all have a future as well. Amen? Guys, don't let the enemy keep you focused on the past. Don't let the enemy keep bringing up stuff that God has forgiven you of. Some of you, God has forgiven of you of you stuff, but you haven't forgiven yourself yet. Guys, that's a scary place because you're putting yourself in the place of God. You're saying, God, I know better than you ouch because what his ways are higher than our ways his thoughts higher than our thoughts if god has forgiven us sister lorraine i think we can forgive ourselves so guys i want to remind you today paul said this one thing i do by the way do you remember paul is the same guy who killed christians paul was the same guy who persecuted the church before his damascus road experience he was a terror for the new church and then he became a pillar of the new church how how By doing this one thing, forgetting those things that are behind, pressing forward to the things that are ahead. Verse 14, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. You see, Paul realized that you got to keep moving forward. You got to keep moving forward. You know, sometimes it feels like one step forward and two steps back, right? But take that next step forward. Keep moving forward. Keep walking with God. What happens when you fall down? get back up. Keep walking, keep working, keep plodding toward the destination. Be faithful, keep doing what God has called you to do. Because guess what? God has called every one of us to something. God has a plan and a purpose for every one of us. He had a plan and a purpose for Paul. He has a plan and a purpose for you. Keep heading that way. Amen? And then of course he reminds us in 15 and 16, let us therefore as many be perfect, be thus minded, And if in anything you be otherwise minded, God shall reveal this unto you. He's saying keep your focus. Now I've heard it said, if the devil can't defeat you, he'll settle for distracting you. Don't let him distract you. What has God called you to do? Who has God called you to pray for? What has God commissioned you to do? What gifts and talents do you have that could be used to benefit the kingdom of God? Use them. Do that thing. Verse 16, nevertheless, whereunto we have already attained, let us walk by the same rule, let us mine the same thing. He said, Philippians, let's keep heading in the right direction. I would say church, Berwick, LCC, Berwick, let's keep doing what we're doing. Keep heading towards strong and healthy. Amen? Now, Philippians chapter number four. And I had to resist the urge to read the whole chapter to you, okay? Because it's just gold. It is absolute solid gold. But we'll pick up reading and verse number four, just because I, I love this verse. It says, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. You know, sometimes we need to be told more than once to rejoice. Okay. And here's the deal. Don't rejoice in the circumstances. Rejoice in what? The Lord, okay? Because in spite of what you're going through, in spite of the circumstances, if you are a child of God, Sister Rita, you got something to rejoice for. You got something to get excited for. Whether you feel good or you feel bad, you can rejoice because your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. That's something to get excited about. Verse 5, let your moderation be known on all men. The Lord is at hand. He's encouraging the church to, to, to do things right, to serve the Lord, to be faithful, recognizing that the Lord is at hand. He could come at any time. You know, it's amazing that in the New Testament, in the Pauline epistles, we're, we're talking about the imminence of the Christ's soon return, that he could return at any time. Sister Eloise, this was written almost 2,000 years ago. So how much more imminent is it today? Guys, we need to live with an urgency, amen? Let your moderation be known on all men. The Lord is at hand. Verse number six. Be careful for nothing. I've got to preach to you worry warts for just a second now, okay? Don't, don't, Don't get mad at your pastor. Get mad at Paul, okay? He said, don't you worry, the NIV says don't be anxious, okay? Guys, it, 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 can worrying about anything change anything? No. Can't change a thing, okay? Can you worry about, well, what is that test gonna come back and say? Can it change that test? No. It can keep you up at night, can make you kind of crabby, kind of grouchy, can do those things, can make you snap at your kids and your grandkids and your husband, but it can't change a thing, can it? So that's why Paul says, be careful for nothing. Don't worry. But then he doesn't stop there. He says, here's what you should do. But in everything, say everything. Everything Everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be known unto God. So instead of worrying about something, what should we be doing about it? praying about something, making our requests known to God. Now, why does he say with thanksgiving? See, that's the ingredient called faith. You see, guys, we ask God to meet our needs, and then we begin to thank him like he already has. When I'm praying for my dad, I'm saying, God, touch my dad. I thank you for healing him of that cancer. I thank you that the doctor's report is not the final say. I thank you that the doctors say this, but you say, by his stripes we are healed. Again, we're just giving thanks to God. We're expressing our faith. You see, guys? Need doesn't always move the hand of God, but faith always will. Amen? You ever wonder sometimes why some of the most needy situations, the most needy places, God doesn't intervene? It's because what's needed with the need is the ingredient called faith. Amen? That's where you and I come in. We include that ingredient. We got some good cooks in here, don't we? We're going to find out on Sunday. You're a wonderful cook, okay? Isn't there certain ingredients that are just essential for for certain dishes? Okay, today, I pulled some gumbo out the the icebox, and it wasn't my gumbo, so it was okay, okay? But it was a little too watery for me, so I said... I know what I'll do. I'll put a little filet in it, okay? Heated it up, put a little filet in it, stirred it up, and it looked a little better. Now, it tasted real good. Man, they had chicken, they had sausage, they had tasso. They had a lot of good meat in there, okay? But it was just a little too watery. Why would you just want to give that meat a bath, okay? Why don't you make a real roux, okay? But I ate it nonetheless, and it fit real good. But I knew it needed something extra. Guys, you know what that something extra for us in our prayer is? faith thanksgiving, thanking God that he not only hears us, but he answers our prayer. We're supposed to let our request be known to God. We're not supposed to worry about it. We're not supposed to do all those things. We're supposed to ask God to intervene. And what will he do when we do? Verse number seven, and the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts And your minds through Christ Jesus. Again, Paul understood the battlefield of the mind. He understood that the peace of God couldn't just reside in your heart without affecting your mind as well. He knew that the enemy was going to try to get to your heart by touching your mind, by giving you thoughts, by by, by attacking you in that area. But the peace of God can pass all understanding, can keep you in Christ Jesus. That's good stuff, isn't it? That's how you get peace. That's how you grab a hold to that gift of peace. Now, how do you keep it? Verse number 8. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if they be any virtue, if they be any praise, think on these things. And if I could add, and nothing else. Amen? You want to keep your peace, stop worrying, stop thinking about the worst situation, and think about how God can work it out for the best. Start thinking about, God, how, how good can this be? You know, I think about that doctor who's going to have to tell my dad, Mr. Seneca, I you, you, this is before this is after. And I can just see dad just smiling and, and I can see me catching the Holy Ghost up in there. Okay. Because that God wants to get glory out of our lives. God wants to move on our behalf. We need to think good things. We need to think positive things. We need to walk in faith. Amen. You want to keep your peace. You want to stop losing your mind. Think on the right things. Verse 9, Paul says, those things which you've learned and received and heard, and this is so good, and seen in me, do, and the God of peace shall be with you. Paul said, I lived an example to you. I showed you, Philippians, how to do this thing. I taught you, I told you, and I showed you, okay? Guys, the best teachers show you how to do it, right? Today, we were trying to teach a little uh, blocking technique to one of our kids. And, and Coach Gilder tried to show him, and, and, and it wasn't going through. And Coach Gilder didn't play offensive line in high school or college, but I did. So I said, Seth, here's how you do it. I got in my stance. I took a step, and I showed him exactly how to do it. And I blocked the fire out of, co- out of, out of, out of Pastor Randy's grandson. Okay? And, and here's the amazing thing with those kids. When I shoot my hands... They jump, okay, because that's how you're supposed to play the game. And, and he was like, whoa. And I said, that's how you do it. Now, you see, I could have talked to him, talked to him, talked to him, talked to him. Sister Josie, I had to show him, okay? You know what, guys? That's, that's kind of important. I mean, it would be nice if we win Friday night. But when it comes to spiritual things, it's of utmost importance, amen? We can tell our kids to pray, but we better show them how to pray. We can show people how to give and how to live, but uh, we can tell them rather. But we better show them, amen. So let's live a life that's worthy of an example, amen. My goodness, I see what my wife goes through. It's seven twenty-eight. Okay. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to read through the rest of the verse, the rest of the chapter, verses ten through through. Um, 19 and I'm going to highlight my two favorite scriptures and I bet you you know which two they are. Philippians chapter number 4 verses 10 through 19 let's read it together but I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at the last your care of me has flourished again you were also careful but you locked opportunity. What's Paul talking about here? He's talking about giving. He's talking about the church at Philippi were taking care of him and his needs and he thanked him for that. Verse 11 not that I speak in respect of want for I have learned in whatever state I am therewith to be content whew well, we could all use a little more content. Huh. How, how about our kids? Could your kids use a little more contentment? You know, my, one of my favorite sayings is my kids say, the Wi-Fi stinks here, or, or I can't download this app. And we always say, that's a first world problem. When I'm in, in, in Mexico, when I'm in Guatemala, when I'm on a, a missions trip, I don't hear kids saying that. I see kids playing kick the rock. I see kids playing in the dirt. I see kids doing like we used to do, okay, they have real problems. We have first world problems. But, but we all need to learn how to be content. Paul learned how to do that. Paul says in verse 12, I know how to be abased. I know how to abound everywhere and in all things. I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. Verse 13, my favorite verse, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength or who strengthens me. Guys, how many things can you do? All things. All things. All things, but here's the key, through Christ. You know, there are times in my life I thought most Seneca could do all things. I was sadly mistaken. But Sister Eloise, through Christ, who strengthens me, I can do a whole lot. Amen? And it's not just a truth for me. It's a truth for you as well. Amen? Walk in that truth. Believe that truth. You know, sometimes we, we have people tell us that, that you can't do that. You can't do that. You can't succeed. You can't you can't be a great mom. Look look at your mom. Look at your family. You can't That's a lie. Cuz God says you can do what? All things through Christ who gives you strength. Keep reading. Notwithstanding you have well done, you did communicate with me affliction. Now you Philippi- Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel when I departed from Macedonia, no church communicated with me concerning giving and receiving but you only. For even in Thessalonica you sent once and again unto my necessity, not because I desire a gift, but I desire fruit that may abound to your account. Guys, let me just bring a point right here. God is a great accountant, okay? Okay. Brother Witt, God's a better accountant than the bank, okay? Witt was telling me about a bank error. By the way, it was in our favor. Don't get too excited. It was 10 cents, okay? But, But God's a perfect accountant. God don't make no mistakes. When you give to God, when you make a sacrifice for God, God sees it. Amen? Those of you that made sacrifices to light for the lost missions, God saw that. God saw that step of faith. When you, some of you gave that missionary last Wednesday a Pentecostal handshake, God saw that. God honors that. God misses nothing. Amen? And he, honor, he, he, he credits your account. Verse 18, but I have all and I bound, I am full, having received of Eproditus the things which were sent for you, an odor, a sweet smell, a sacrifice, acceptable, well-pleasing to God. I love verse 19. But my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. That's a promise right there, that your God will take care of you. He will meet all of your needs, and he'll even throw in a few of your wants, too. How many have seen God be that good? Sister just Lorraine, he'll meet all your needs, he'll take care of your bills, he'll take care of your needs, but he loves you so much because you're his girl, he'll throw in a few wants, too. I love that about my God. I've seen God live Philippians 4.19 in my life, in Chantel's life, in so many believers' lives, and it's a promise. It's not just a promise that I read and I accept in theory. I've walked in that, and I've seen God do it in experience. Amen? Because we serve a God that loves us, cares for us, and promises to meet our every need. But what do we have to do? we got to let him know. Well, wait a second. Doesn't God already know what I'm going through? Yes, he does. But you need to humble yourself and ask. We need to ask. We need to say, God, I need you. I need you in this situation. Because sometimes we, we, we say we need him, but our actions speak differently. Our actions say, I got this. Oh, come on, guys. Let's not be that dumb. <laughs> let's stop trying to do things that only God can do. Some of you are trying to fix situations in your family, and you're just messing it up even worse. Okay? Why don't you just give that to God and watch him work a miracle? Because we serve a God that does exceedingly, abundantly more. Amen?